0: I'd like to welcome Father Jamie Mueller here, who's uh, celebrating Mass uh, with us today. He is the uh, head of the Department for the, the Young Adult Engagement in the Archdiocese of Chicago, um, and my roommate and college classmate as well as seminary classmate. So, Father Jamie, welcome. Um, today we celebrate Corpus Christi, the Feast of the Body and Blood of Christ, which is traditionally done right after Trinity Sunday, um, typically on the Thursday after Trinity Sunday, but like. Uh, ascension and Epiphany and some of the movable Feast of the Lord, we've kind of moved it to this Sunday um, so that all the faithful can participate in uh, a very important feast, the Feast of the Eucharist, honoring uh, this sacramental presence that Jesus left us in the church to be present to us um, in the most intimate way possible, as food, as nourishment, um, as a visible, tangible, tasteable presence of God incarnate, um, Corpus Christi is Latin for the body of Christ. Um, But of course, we believe that in each host, in each particle of every host, is the entire Christ, the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus. Uh, This thing that makes us Catholic, our way of seeing the sacraments, not as mere signs or mere pointers or reminders of Jesus, but the Lord himself. I remember a question that I often have gotten uh, as a priest from people, especially faithful Catholics, regarding the Eucharist, because you have to go to Mass every Sunday and receive communion um, at least once a year. And they'll ask, well, you know, what part of the Mass can you get to and have it still count? You know, can you get there, like, before the Our Father or before the Gospel, during the homily? Um, and when can you leave, you know, and have it still count? Do you have to wait for the final blessing or till the end of the last song? Um, Have have you ever thought that or asked that question or heard somebody ask that question? I certainly have Um, But in a way like asking that question You know, how does it you know, where where does it count or what do I have to do in order for it to count? Sort of makes our relationship with God and with the eucharist into this transactional or contractual thing that i'm obligated Somehow jesus came to me in the eucharist and i'm obligated to go see him or to go receive him so what do I have to do to count it, you know? Instead of this relationship of gift, of love, you know, like what, what if your parents invited you to home to dinner and they said, we're going to make a nice dinner, you know, it's your sister's birthday or it's your mom's birthday, and you'd ask, like, how late can I get there and have it still count? You know, like it's just not, it doesn't make any sense in that kind of relationship. So neither does it make any sense in our relationship to God. But another problem with it is that it separates, in a way, the Eucharist from the Mass. Because what you're asking is, how late can I get to Mass and still receive communion? Because we have this idea, many of us, that communion is the essential part of the Mass. You know, the consecration of the, the body and blood of Christ, when the priest says, this is my body, this is the chalice of my blood. And then the people's reception of that. That's sort of like the heart of the Mass, and that's true. But it's not that that's the essential part of the Mass and that everything else is kind of inessential. You know, like if you miss the first reading, not that big a deal. If you miss the sign of the cross, you can kind of do it yourself when you walk in. Like the, the whole Mass is essential. And when we take the Eucharist out of the Mass, we change it. It's not, it, it doesn't, it loses some of its uh, dynamic uh, power, To draw us into the mystery of Christ. It's just, then it becomes this sort of magic thing, like a magic vitamin that I take to get more Jesus. When in reality, the Eucharist can never be separated from the Mass, they're parts of a whole. Now, say in Eucharistic adoration, we'll take the, the consecrated host and put it in a monstrance and people will pray. But that's always coming from the Mass and leading back to the Mass. True devotion to the Eucharist, whether in the Mass itself or in Eucharistic adoration or Eucharistic processions or benedictions or bringing communion to the sick in the hospital, you can't have a Mass. All of that is meant to bring the Mass to the people and so draw the people into the Mass, into the sacrifice of the Mass. And if we are not careful, we can start to think of the Eucharist not as part of this mystery where we are drawn into Christ but that we kind of manipulate him. The difference between magic and the sacraments is that when you do magic, it looks like something's happening, but it, something actually isn't happening. When I was a kid, David Copperfield made the this, this space shuttle disappear. Uh, he didn't actually make the space shuttle disappear. That's impossible, right? But it looked like it did. The sacraments, on the other hand, are the, are the inverse. It looks as if nothing is happening. For those with no faith... It's just bread and wine. But for those with faith, something actually is happening. It's invisible, but it's true. Whereas magic is visible, but it's false. The other difference between magic and the sacraments is that magic is when I do something to change reality. I do something to manipulate nature or the universe to fit my will. But the sacraments, especially the Eucharist, is when reality changes me. I'm not doing some trick or, or uh, encanting some magic formula, like this is my body or this is my blood. It's something different. It's something where the world or the bread is not so much changed as it changes us. We dispose ourselves to be changed. So what is happening in the Mass? Is it that we are just waiting till that moment when we can get finally Jesus and be changed and Or is the priest just this kind of sacrament machine, this Eucharist machine where we need to have a priest so that we can all get communion? Or is it rather that the priest is simply the head of a body of which you are all members? And that when we congregate on Sunday, or every day if you're a daily Mass goer, when you are called out of the world into the church, the ekklesia, which is Greek for to call out of, and we are Clothe ourselves, our wrap ourselves in the sign of the cross, in the name of the Trinity, in which we were all baptized. When we acknowledge our sins, we ask for God's forgiveness. We are formed by the word of God in the scriptures, and then we offer to him everything we have in our heart, in our soul. The priest is the head of this body, which is being drawn together. The body of Christ, which is offered perfectly to the Father for all his glory in the unity of the Holy Spirit. That's what's actually happening. St. Augustine said that the church makes the Eucharist, but the Eucharist makes the church. It's in being drawn up in this mystery where finally the culmination, the consummation, is the reception of the Corpus Christi, the body, blood, soul, and divinity of Jesus. Then we become what we eat. And so when we're drawn into the mystery of the Mass, when we actually participate in it, and when the Mass actually rightfully reflects the glory of what's happening which is that Jesus' own body is being offered again on the cross to the glory of God the Father in perfect, faithful obedience, and that we're receiving that body transfigured. We're receiving ourselves. There are two important practical implications. When we go out into this world, out back into the world, that everything we do, everything we say, everything we think is a divine offering. It's come from this altar, and it's leading back to this altar. So when, I, when the priest offers the bread and wine, what we're all doing is we're putting ourselves on the patent in the chalice with the bread, with the wine. And so everything we've done, every sacrifice we've made, everything we've suffered, every joy we've celebrated, we are offering on that patent. So when we go out into the world, let's be sure not to offer anything unworthily. Let's avoid thoughts and actions and desires. Imaginations that will be not pleasing to offer to God when we come back to him at this altar. When we're drawn into the mystery of the sacrifice of the Mass, the Corpus Christi, everything, our whole life, is an exitus and retitus. It's like a heart pumping blood out to the ends of its body and then back into its heart, in and out. Our whole, our whole life becomes an offering to God. And second, my neighbor becomes inseparable from me. If I am a member of the body of Christ, then my neighbor, that person, in whom I see the dignity not only of a unique human person, but a fellow part of the body of Christ, to be cruel to them would be to cut off my own nose to spite my face or to hurt my own body. To ignore them in their need would be to leave like a gaping wound on my body and say, ah, it doesn't matter, it's just my arm. Even if it gets gangrene and falls off, I don't care. We are to each other as inseparable as cells are to a body. And so as we come to this Eucharist to receive the Corpus Christi, let us be drawn up, not into just whatever thing we think our need is or or to try to manipulate reality, but be changed by the reality that we celebrate, to be drawn into this inexhaustible mystery of Christ's body and blood offered for the remission of our sins and the redemption of our souls.